Welcome back, valued listeners, to an emergency episode of the Lose All Your Money podcast. We've had a ton of people reach out, many of whom were successful at losing all their money over the past couple of weeks, coming at you Monday, March the 12th, with a bunch of some old ways and some new ways to lose all your money. I'm Silent Rob here with our esteemed money-losing expert, Jace Waugh. We're just so glad that people instantly, when they think of money being lost, they contact us. So yep. it really means a lot. We appreciate that. A little fact check. It is the 13th, okay? Not the 12th. We were just talking about the 12th uh, yesterday. You had a few too many pina coladas, it sounds like, yesterday there. Uh, Shit. But yeah, dude, March Sadness is here. We got NFL free agency on deck. Aaron Rodgers finally came out of the darkness, and he's going to New York, so headed into a darker place, I guess. And yeah. Is that confirmed? It sounds like it's a done deal. I mean, he's milking this. I mean, it's really impressive how much he's milking this. It's really great. Nothing just shows you the dominance of the NFL than like 40-year-old men just being the most dramatic, you know, possible. Yeah. So yeah, it's good. NFL free agency's about to start. Lamar Jackson's gonna probably be playing in a different team next year. I mean, we got a lot of stuff, but we gotta Anytime we got big banks or, you know, mm-hmm. big bank failures, we got to mm-hmm. be leading off that with the old pods. A truly classic way to lose all your money. Just like one of the hitters that will just stay hitting for so long. Method to lose all your money is to keep it all at a bank above FDIC coverage levels. And to be fair, I think depositors are actually, in most of these cases, going to be fine. There's an emergency Fed functionally like a bailout, but it's like a line of credit where, you know, depositors are going to be fine. But yeah, last week, two banks failed. Today, I think another one or two with a bunch of wobbly stuff. I've had phone calls on a professional, serious level. And yeah, if you keep your money in a bank and you don't have FDIC insurance and that bank goes out of business, you got a good chance to lose all your money. Yeah, I did hear Giannis has like 50 different banks at the 250 mark, which is I love just, him. Which is just, I, mean, I fucking love him. Not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> he I does mean, wear capes frequently, though, but yes. He does. He does, but they not always. God damn it. I love him. Yeah. I mean, any Southern or Eastern Europe, just it's yeah. different. Yeah. I mean, the best part is I've gotten arguments with people about him being Nigerian. They're like, he's Greek. This is the Greek side of him. (laughs) This would be the Greek side of him. Yeah. He definitely learned his lessons from his time in Greece with that. But yeah, it's kind of incredible. Kind of incredible. I don't pretend to know anything about it. I wanted to get your opinion. If we didn't have this taping coming up, I was actually going to reach out to you. I, you know, very... I'm very selective when I actually want to interact with you. Mm-hmm. This was actually time I actually was going to reach out to interact with you. So I'm glad we had this excuse. But yeah, what in the H is going on here as a guy who definitely can be putting over 250K in a bank? Mm-hmm. What's happening right now? The short answer is that banks who have taken advantage of a really good time from 2020 to kind of mid early 2022 are getting bit in the ass in the same way that they sinned a little bit by having very flighty depositors. Depositors are the customers of every bank who put money in. So it's not really about like making loans that are shitty, which is a classic way for a bank to screw up. It's to loan money to some moron who can't pay it back. 
not the case in this case. This is really about deposits being flighty and being able to move so quick. And like, dude, if you're the treasurer of fucking Roku, and that's a, a gnarly example, because I think they announced like either 25 or $50 million at SVB in one account without the additional protection layer, which they had access to different story, but they can remove deposits within minutes. Like you can get a wire going somewhere else in minutes. So like when you have depositors that can run quick, this has been a story in crypto for sure, where these exchanges really need their depositors to stick around, but like no bank can survive 25% of deposits leaving in a couple of days, like not a single bank. So they don't. So when it happens for reasons that you can blame it on macro, you can blame the Fed, you can blame management, a lot of things go into it, but yeah, banks can't survive that. So the FDIC is also, I think, hopefully getting some good press, deservedly so, since FDR, it's like really done its job super well. And there's just some employees at some, the FDIC is like some random government agency, right? And those employees literally know how to just walk into a bank, like be like, hand me the keys, give me your passwords, and I'm going to run this whole fucking thing. They just do it in like a day, which is kind of sick when you think about it. But yeah, there's panic, there's freakouts. Is it going to shake out? To the end of the financial system, I'll take the under on that. I do not think so. I think people need banks and places to put their deposits. So that's my opinion. Yeah, that I was reading a little bit about that. And side note, I know this is not the original question, but I think it doesn't this somewhat just, it seems like a fumbling from the economic decisions, either by Fed or whomever, when you had the $1,200 checks and then with the increasing in the interest rates. Mm-hmm. And then I log on today to see the stock market and I'm expecting a like, tank. And this was earlier today, so it could barely easily have changed. But I guess because they are thinking this is going to stop the Fed from hiking rates, that that's why mm-hmm. things aren't going, going crazy low. A bunch of implications, correct. But yes, if you're going to ascribe it to like an overall macro thing, it's like this huge accommodative moves post-pandemic followed by fast rate hikes, that's a tough environment for to like run a big bank. It's challenging. So like you can, you know, dance on the graves of everyone who screwed up, but it wasn't an easy environment to run things in. But everyone who took a bit of that forbidden apple is getting very much bit right now by the changing of the tide. So yeah, we're coming up upon a time like sentiment, I think is was really, really bad Friday and over the weekend. It's a little bit better today with the announcement. But yeah, I think there's going to be really good assets for sale for cheap, maybe in the betting world, maybe in the financial world, TBD. But a bunch of large institutions that had some bad shit and some good shit are going to have to sell all of it. So that means something's going to be on sale. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. And it's just one of those things with... uh you know, I think it's just also good to just know to stay in your lane a bit with stuff. And, you know, I try to read into it and I'm just like, yeah, you know, I don't really know too much what's going on here. All I know is try to stick in my lane and definitely my lane would be March Madness. So I'm definitely getting a little bit of a developing a complex here as you're, you're spending too much knowledge and I'm not delivering enough. So I think it might be time. Let's to get mad over there. Yeah. Let, let's, let's get let's upset. Get- March anger. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm actually upset for several reasons. First of all, it's Monday. But second of all, I have probably watched the least amount of college basketball this year, just super busy with this whole employment thing. And it's really overrated. But so I don't really have a lot of insight. So I've had a lot of people text me 
uh, you know, just good friends who always, you know, early to mid-March just reach out to me and, and just want to see how I'm doing. I really appreciate that when they ask for, you know, who do I like in this game and that game? <laughs> you know, it means a lot, really. <laughs> so if I give you shit picks, it's on you. But yeah, I mean, honestly, what I'm going to tell you is just macro stuff that will definitely put you in a, you know, ahead of average, above average, but nowhere near like a significant move where you should be expecting to win your pool. We're just going to give you some pointers to get you in a good spot. And if Lady Variants can take you the rest of the way, she can do her thing. But if not, you know, you're going to need some luck to win a, you know, if you're in a 20 person bracket, you know, know, a 5% chance, a whatever, just remember you are trying to be one of 20 here, right? You same thing as, you know, fourth place is the same as 20th here. So you kind of want to set yourself apart. And and the biggest thing too, is also knowing your pool. So the first of all is the size of your pool. If your pool is, you know, maybe 30, 20, 15 people, you don't have to get nearly as crazy as you do if you want to win a hundred or 200 person pool. So that's the first thing. Second of all, you know, if it's all college buddies, from a certain school and things of that nature. I mean, that's obviously game theory is going to be to go against that team. You know, obviously if you're doing this for fun and you don't want to eke out all your value for that, I totally understand that. But just basic game theory stuff, everyone likes to pick upsets. And if your bracket rewards upsets, this is totally different. But if you're in a standard bracket where you just get a point for the right call and going with the Vegas odds is normally the best thing to do just because everyone knows there's going to be upsets, but doesn't mean you're going to pick them, right? You might go crazy with upsets and there are a lot of upsets, but you only have like half of them and then the rest of your brackets kind of fuck. So yeah, just some high level stuff with that. You got to be factoring, you know, resource I use is Kempom. And, and really if you're using Kempom, it's really if you're using the betting lines, betting lines are really derived from Kempom and then the bettors will shape it from there. So if you're looking at the lines, you're essentially using Kempom. But there's just some other stuff to think about too is uh, you know, a name recognition of a team is also going to make that team give you less value. So the, the team that really jumps out to me this year would be Duke. Duke and Kempom is rated 25, or excuse me, 21. They're a five seed. They're not a very good team given the metrics. So even though they're a five seed, you might think you're picking some upsets here, but compared to your average five seed, more people are going to pick Duke just based on the name brand if that makes any sense. So you, you kind of just have to be thinking on all of those levels. Anything about that before we kind of, we get into the actual regions and talk about some of the games here? Rules, name brand. And you got to remember you're, you're not just like if, when you fill out your bracket, it feels like you're competing against yourself. You're not, you're competing against everyone else who is by the way, clicking on name brands and making a bunch of split second decisions. So I like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to go ahead and start in the West. I think, the big thing here is the West is the best bracket. And then you got to kind of take that a step, a kind of a next step on that. So, I mean, the best bracket in terms of it has the, it's like it has the most depth. So with that is the pool that we run here, you get, you can have two brackets. And I think it's great to have two brackets because it gives you more flexibility with these. So what, how I'm going to play this with the West is I'm going to have two different teams coming out of here but I'm not going to have either team winning the national championship out of here just because I think the West is so deep. I could realistically see five teams, maybe even six teams make, let's say five teams. I think UCLA, Gonzaga, TCU, UConn, Arkansas, and Kansas could all, I guess that's five or six teams, could make it to the final four here. I 
coming into this, just teams that I was I was liking towards the end of the year, Gonzaga's got the best offense in basketball. They're kind of being under the radar this year, which they've like never been. They've got Final Four experience. Two years ago, they were in the title game. So I really like them, but they're going to have to play UCLA in a potential Elite Eight game, and I really like UCLA as well. Mick Cronin is one of my favorite coaches. So what I will probably have is, is Gonzaga in one bracket, UCLA in the other bracket to make it to the Final Four. But just because of the difficulty of this region, I'm not going to pick my winner based on that. Now, it might seem kind of counterintuitive, but that's kind of just a macro thing of thinking about. So another way of doing that is when we talk about the worst bracket, which is the East, the really the best way we're going to profit off that is we're going to actually want to look at making the team from the South who's going to play the East in the Final Four. We're going to bump them up a little bit more of winning their national championship. And we'll talk about that when we get to that region. But that's just kind of how you have to be next step thinking about that. So does that make sense before I go into the actual games for this region there, Rob? The idea there is like mean reversion almost, like a tougher bracket. It's not mean reversion exactly. I guess that like the difficulty of picking the winner in the West Mm -hmm. informs what you're going to do in like your final four picks Mm -hmm. where you're like, all right, I'm more likely to be wrong in the West. Therefore, I'm going to set myself up with a little bit better odds of winning later in the tournament as we get deeper by knowing that that pick is probably wrong. Yeah, exactly. And it's also based on your scoring. So like the Yahoo default is every round doubles. So your first round picks are one, your second round two, your third round four, and so on. So you really got to protect your final four and championship bullets. So that is the theory behind that. So yeah, looking at the West, Kansas, the one seed, I'm just going to take them in the first game. Arkansas is a two and a half point favorite. They're the eight seed as well. So two and a half points is a sizable number against Illinois, against a, in an eight, nine game. I'll probably take Arkansas. I think Arkansas was top 10 earlier in the year. So I might chop that one, but you know, taking Arkansas is probably fine there. One one or one chop means there. between your two brackets. Take it two ways. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you for clarifying that. The twelve five game VCU St. Mary's. St. Mary's plays a style of basketball that I really enjoy as a big time middle school basketball coach. They're very disciplined, great defense. Problem is, they're just like Virginia, and I love both of these teams the way they play. But in terms of betting, they play a very slow type of game. And if a team can make threes, make shots, they can easily be upset here. And when you play less possessions, there's a better chance of being upset. It's kind of like, you know, you get less opportunities to demonstrate your skill advantage, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, would you rather play Michael Jordan shooting one free throw again, you know, heads up, or would you rather shooting a hundred free throws against him? Right. Mm. So that's how the type of style that St. Mary's plays. St. Mary's only a four point favorite as a 12, five. So the very least have that chopped up. Probably I might have VCU in both my brackets upsetting St. Mary's there. The four thirteen matchup UConn. I'll have UConn winning both in both my brackets. I under the nine point underdog. You know, it's just strictly going by the numbers there. Kempom really likes UConn. I don't necessarily like taking a Big East team, a smaller conference. I'm not going to get too cute here. And, you know, I'll take the value with Kempom's number four overall team as a four seed here. TCU versus the winner of Arizona State or Nevada. Shout out to the Devils for being the last team in, I believe. 
they're going to play Wednesday night in the playing game. TCU is a lot of betters, a team that they like here. So I will most likely be riding with TCU on both games there, especially in our bracket where we're going to have ASU morons like ourselves who are going to be picking ASU. It's just, you know, basic game theory really there. Gonzaga versus Grand Canyon. I like Gonzaga a lot. So like I said, I, I will be taking them. They're a 15-point favorite as well. Northwestern, Boise State is a true pick em. Northwestern is a, a one-and-a-half-point favorite. For 7-10, that's pretty on board. I'm cool splitting that game. One thing to know is Boise State plays for the Mountain West. The Mountain West, I believe, is 0-9 in their last nine NCAA tournament games. So that is a trend I like to do, just doing college sports in general. Like college football, you know, I, I always am looking for a reason to bet on the SEC. So when I hear stats like that, I do put a little bit of weight into them. So I'll probably just chop that though. I don't really love Northwestern's profile either. UCLA is 17 and a half point favorite. Definitely like them against UNC Asheville. And I like them in both my brackets, making it to the Sweet 16. Where this will diverge is that bottom part of the bracket. I'll probably have chalk in the Sweet 16. So that'll be Kansas, UConn, Gonzaga, and UCLA. And in one bracket, I'll have UCLA going to the Final Four, and Gonzaga I'll have, or in the other bracket, I'll have Gonzaga going to the Final Four. And I'll probably have Kansas going to the Elite Eight in one bracket and UConn in the other bracket for that. Just a little bit of diversification with that. But yeah, the West is the best. Like I said, it comes down to me not being surprised if UConn or Arkansas or TCU or Gonzaga, UCLA, Kansas comes out to the final four there. So kind of going for a little diversification there, spray and pray and try to get our advantage in some of the other regions. Any questions before we move up to the beautiful Midwest? Hit it. So with the Midwest, we have the Houston Cougars being the one seed. Houston, I really like their profile. Ken Palm's number one overall team, 11th best offense, fourth best defense. They've been to Final Fours recently. They have a good coach. And I think they have a really good path to making it to kind of a deep run here. So actually, I think in both my brackets, I'll be having them go to at least the Final Four. I'm obviously not going to diverge who I'm going to have winning the semifinals and the championship just for game theory purposes here. But I really like Houston. I think they have a great path to the Elite Eight. And even then, Xavier or Texas, I don't really know too much. Like I said, I haven't been following college basketball too much this year, but Texas has like an interim coach. Xavier, 16th best team in Kempom coming from the Big East. The way Houston plays too is so fun to watch. They, they bully ball the shit out of you on the boards. And like I said, they've been there before. The only kind of caveat is they do play a slower brand of basketball with the less possession. So back to that Michael Jordan example we were talking about. So, I mean, obviously, like I said, we're rolling the dice here. There's no such thing as a lock. But I think Houston getting to the Elite Eight is, is pretty damn close to that. Moving down to the 8-9 game, I think this is absolute horseshit. Iowa is playing Auburn in Birmingham. I don't understand why Auburn gets to play in Birmingham. And then potentially if they beat Iowa, we'd play the number one seed in their home state. But, you know, scam Newton and the Tigers strike again. Moving to the 5-12 game, Miami is only a two-point favorite against Drake here. That's pretty much going to be a double Drake bet for me there. Just when you see the five seed only being a two-point favorite, you kind of have to take Drake on that one. Indiana 
is a four and a half point favorite against Kent State. I'll probably chop that up. I'll have Drake making it to the Sweet 16 in one, and then Kent State in another bracket. And then the one that I have Drake winning, I'll have Indiana winning that game against Kent State. So one and one on that one. Iowa State gets the playing game against Mississippi State and Pittsburgh. The metrics considerably like Mississippi State more than Penn State, or excuse me, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is way down there at the 77th best team. It's the lowest at-large team to get in. So you can submit this after that game goes final. So if it's Mississippi State, I'm more than fine you taking that as an upset versus Iowa State. But if it's Pittsburgh that wins the playing game and plays at Iowa State, I would look to play Iowa State on that one. Xavier, I'll have beating Kennesaw State in the 14 seed there. And then the 7-10 game, Texas A&M, a decent favorite versus Penn State, especially some decent amount of East Coasters in our league. I'll probably take Texas A&M and both of mine on that one. Also, anytime I get to root against Penn State is a good day. Texas being the two seed, I'll have them winning, making the Sweet 16 in both of mine. And then probably a little diversification. One bracket, have Xavier go to the Elite Eight and Texas in the other, but most likely going to have Houston in the Final Four of both of my brackets coming out of the Midwest. Anything about the Midwest there, Rob, or anything that I've mentioned so far? I just noticed that Grand Canyon University, which is also a publicly traded company Lope. that I just looked up, is Lope, be- baby. better than ASU at baseball and basketball, which I just regret to say that out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Lope. Uh, I actually looked into Lope stock when they, and they went uh, private or they went public. I think it was like 2010, 2011. I just remember we had some fraternity event there one day and I heard they're going public and then they were like transitioning to a D1 program. They had that former Suns guy as their coach. I don't know if he's still their coach or not. Marley. I don't think it, maybe he could, could be. Marley and me. <laughs> yeah. The dog from Marley and me is the coach of the, the Lopes. Take him. Yeah. But yeah, better in baseball too. Are you serious? Do they have a guy? I think it's a coach's kid who's like a first round pick, shortstop, like freak. So yeah. You know, LSU has a transfer pitcher stud from the Air Force Academy. I did know that. He throws 101 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. Kids these days, dude, freaking yeah. me out. Yeah. SEC baseball on flake, dude, on flake. Yeah, last time I checked, I think seven of the top ten teams in college baseball were from the SEC, which is just like standard. It's not even like an outlier. Yeah, it's not weird. So yeah, so that's the right side of the bracket there. So yeah, we'll move on to the south side. Alabama is the overall number one seed. They are playing a playing game, a 16 seed. I like them, obviously, in that one. First game of the tournament on Thursday, the real tournament, is Maryland versus West Virginia. I'm going to be going with West Virginia. They're a two-point favorite here. Most of my friends will probably be on Maryland. That way I don't throw anything out the window if Maryland, if I had Maryland and they lose to a rival like West Virginia. San Diego State, the five seed against the 12, Charleston. Charleston is 31 and three, I believe is their record. They also have the easiest schedule of the year, I think, are their remaining teams. So I gave you that Mountain West stat earlier about. Mountain West being 0 and 9 in the last ATS or nine games, 0 and 9 at ATS. But I am going to go with San Diego State there just based on that principle. Virginia playing your Furman. What's their freaking mascot again? I found out the other day and I was laughing my ass off. <laughs> I forgot, dude, something hilarious. I forgot. Paladons. Paladins. 
Paladins. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Pelotons. Yeah, Furman Pelotons. <laughs> <laughs> Rob nearly went to Furman and he would have been a Peloton. Untrue. No, that's not you. Different guy, dude. No, that is true. Also, it, Charleston, we're talking about College of Charleston, like the tiny that's Yeah, the Chick School. The Chick School. Sweet, dude. Glad they made it. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to I'm going to put in my non-expertise and say double upset Furman versus Charleston in the round of 32. Got to be the funny, funniest Carolina. funniest thing I've ever seen. South Carolina showdown. Yeah, I'm going to have Furman over Virginia in both of my in both of mine. Furman's a veteran team. They splash. Got some shooters. Wait, uh, you're me. not messing around. You're going to have Furman over Virginia. Yeah, in both. For, Virginia's out with one of their best players. They're also ranked really low. The ACC is laughably bad, which is fucking awesome because they fucking kicked it Maryland out essentially. So good. Fuck them. And yeah, Virginia, like I said, I actually really like their program, but their offense is terrible. They play the slowest tempo in the tournament. Furman is veteran. They splash. Virginia plays a pack line defense, which essentially dares you to shoot from deep, and Furman can shoot from deep. So, yeah, I really like that 13-4 matchup there. Furman's only a five-and-a-half-point dog. So, yeah, I'll have San Diego State go into the Sweet 16-1 bracket, and I'll have Furman in the other one. And if Charleston gets through, then, hey, Charleston gets through. It's all, it's all chill. Creighton is a five-and-a-half-point favor against NC State. I'll probably chop that up. Just have a little diversification. Maybe the ACC is better, and you know that way I have NC State going. Baylor is an eleven and a half point favorite, so I have them winning both brackets. Missouri, Utah State is near pick 'em. I'll probably chop that up one and one. And Arizona is a fourteen and a half point favorite. I'll have Arizona in both of mine, but obviously praying for the Princeton Tigers to do the upset against the team from Tucson. Yeah, that's how we did the South. Anything before we move to the worst bracket, the East? Uh, You had West as top bracket, South as – or no, East as the worst bracket. Where are you Mm -hmm. at on South Mm -hmm. Midwest relative strength? Yeah, I haven't honestly looked at it close enough. I also didn't tell you what I'm going to do. I'm definitely going to have Alabama in the Final Four in one and Arizona in the other. Mm. I don't see – like Baylor, I don't think it's very good looking at the metrics here. They're the 15th best team in Kempom. They're second best offense and 104th in defense. So like a fragile team, obviously, defensively. What you want from a team is is you want as much balance as possible. Now, if you, you do want your offense to be a little bit better in, a, in the perfect world. But another way to look at this too is these type of teams knowing their tendencies to live bet. So a team like Baylor, a team like Gonzaga that has a significantly better offense, if they go down early, that's a team you're going to be looking to maybe bet live because their offense is so damn good and get them kind of back in the game. But yeah, straight chalk here, Alabama and Arizona in my final fours with this, this side of it. But yeah, let's head to the east. The worst one seed I think by far is Purdue. Kempom has them as a seven. Ken Palm actually has Kansas as the worst one seed at, down at nine, but I've seen Purdue play. They have a 7-4 giant, Mongolian-looking giant, but they have a bunch of white boys around him. So just the way I look at Purdue, I think they're a very fragile team. If Eddie, Zach Eddie, the Mongolian giant, got into foul trouble, they're going to be in trouble. They're probably going to be the least athletic team in every game other than their first round matchup, especially if they played Memphis in the second round. Memphis is a slight favorite against Florida Atlantic. Those both are two good teams for what I've been reading. 
Memphis though presses, which would actually kind of prey on Purdue's weakness. I'll most likely have Memphis in one bracket, probably upsetting Purdue, and then I'll have Florida Atlantic winning in another bracket. But yeah, some of the props out there might be like first one seed to lose. I would definitely be looking to take, you know, fading Purdue in that one. I think they are the weakest one seed. Mentioning the Memphis Tigers, I do like them quite a bit, but instead of playing them on both, I'm going to diversify, go for the upset where Memphis beats Florida Atlantic. I'm going to have them go another round beating Purdue. And then in the other bracket, I'll have Florida Atlantic winning over Memphis. 5-12 game, everybody's favorite upset. Everybody loves Oral Roberts going for Oral. Everyone loves Oral playing Duke here. Duke only a six-point favorite. If you factor in name recognition, I think taking Duke to go far is just not how you win tournaments or not how you win brackets. Duke is not the Duke of old. They're the 21st best team according to Kempom. They are on a nine-game winning streak, I believe. So that sounds impressive, but the best team they have pl- or that they beat during that was Virginia, who is the 34th best team currently in Ken Palm. ACC is just super, super down this year. You got a coach coaching his first NCAA tournament with the name recognition. Yeah, I'll have Oral Roberts in one bracket, and then I'll have Duke in another, but I'll probably have Duke going to the Sweet 16 in that one, and that's the furthest I'll have them going. I'll have Tennessee beating Louisiana in both my brackets. Tennessee is the number five team in Kempom. They do not have a good offense, but they have a good defense. I don't think Tennessee is very good, but because they're in this weaker bracket, I'll take highly rated Kempom team, especially one that is favored by, let me hashtag check notes here, uh, 10 and a half points in the first round. So we do like that. Kentucky being the sixth seed here, one of the more polarizing teams as well. I mean, Kentucky basketball has some great recruits. But currently, they are 28th in Ken Palm. They were the number one team in the nation preseason. So I think I might have in one bracket, Kentucky going kind of far. And then in the other bracket, probably them losing in the first round to try to diversify my portfolio a little bit there. They're only a four-point favorite against Providence. The weakest three seed is Kansas State. They're an eight-and-a-half-point favorite against Montana State. I'll have Kansas State winning both those games but I won't have them going further than the Sweet 16. I'll probably have them losing the second round on one of my brackets. Michigan State, USC. Michigan State is a two-point favorite. I'll probably split that. Just, yeah, no real analysis there. Just kind of chop that up for diversification. Marquette, an 11-point favorite against Vermont. Vermont is a really, really good small-time program, American East. I think they've won six, maybe seven of the last 10 American East championships. They're always in the tournament. Would not surprise me if they hung in that game, gave a little sweat to, to Marquette there. But yeah, that's how we'll play that. I'll probably have Marquette going to the Elite Eight in both my brackets. And then one of my brackets, I'll probably have Purdue going to the Final Four. And the other one, I'll probably have Tennessee just for a little diversification there. But don't like really anyone from the East. Thoughts on any of that there, Rob? It's chalky, dude. It's tournament time. It's madness. You're probably going to lose your bracket. That's all I got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have realistic expectations. Have fun. And yeah, chalk does get there more times than not. But yeah, as far as bets that I like, I talked about that Furman-Virginia game. The way I would play that game is take a sizable position on Furman money line and just be ready to take the other side with Virginia at some point in the game when Furman goes up. I just... 
have a hard time seeing Virginia winning wall to wall there. Virginia is just notoriously kind of bad in the tournament, just the way they play. Furman can probably make two or three threes in a row, which could easily get them up six or nine and make those live lines jump. And then you could take Virginia on the other side there. So as far as a round one favorite bet, it would be Furman money line, but Furman money line with the intent of playing back when after Furman gets hot from three, you know, two or three times. And then you have the decision. You can take Virginia on the other side. You can take it Virginia for a slice. You don't have to take it all the way back on the other side. But that is my favorite bet of the first round. Sweet. You doing any futures or anything funky? Or is it too much? I'll probably look to see if I can bet the West, like a region to win it all. I'll probably look to bet the West on that. I really like UCLA. I really like Gonzaga. Kansas is not a bad team, but you know those are three teams. If you just look at the metrics, it look like you can take down the championship there. So I like that. Yeah, you know Houston's got. Uh, so the three teams that just for me, I've had my eye on just things that I like about teams to win the championship. I kind of look for every year. It's it's UCLA, Gonzaga, and Houston. The they have been to Final Fours. They have they're ranked highly. Houston's number one in Kempom. Gonzaga's number eight, but hey, I have the number one offense. And UCLA is number two in Kempom. So although their offense is number 25 and their defense is one, and UCLA, I think, just had a, a kind of serious injury. I don't know how severe the injury is or how lengthy it is. But just me doing this for a long time, you know, neglecting human interaction, family, stuff like that over the years. I'm going to, my, my spidey senses like those three teams. So, yeah. But also, I can see Alabama from what I'm reading about Alabama. They also have a little bit of scandal. Apparently, one of their star players is like provided a gun for a murder and somehow is not in jail. Not sure how that happens in a state like Alabama, other than him being a star athlete. Yeah. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that I watch First 48 all the time and I've seen a lot less for accessory. Yeah, I saw the headlines on that. Didn't look great, but Tuscaloosa PD, University of Alabama, how close are they? You know, we figure things out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, NFL free agency about to start, about to go ham. I know Rob's excited about that. Mm-hmm. Only thing Rob's more excited about is getting his ass kicked in fantasy basketball championship. This <laughs> yo, week. yo, you uh, got to relax on this. Yeah. We got to look at the history here. Check about teams with championship pedigree. Drew Detective. Jesus, man. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Well, all I got to say is you're going down. And yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a fun week. Everyone. I apologize to everyone else participating in that. That me and Jay are in the championship once again. Very, very annoying outcome. <laughs> Max annoying outcome for sure. But I'm going to do everything in my power to beat Jay and his annoying weird pickups and you were handed DeAndre Ayton. I don't even want to hear this bullshit. <laughs> Absolute bullshit. But yes, it should be fun. We will keep everyone posted. Reach out with any March Madness questions. Have fun. Bet responsibly or don't, you know, be like a bank and just go go up to down. <laughs> do, do whatever you want. <laughs> Your bank is a lot like the March Madness bracket in terms of, you know, there's the probability of you winning. <laughs> I just, for me, it's just like, I just love casually seeing banks just go under and like how it's not supposed to be crazy. I don't know. For me, I, that's just not something I thought I'd 
read on consecutive days like, oh, bank goes under. It's not time to panic. It's, it banks, this happens with banks. It does. There's a long history that FDIC publishes both a failed banks list and a troubled banks list, which is so funny to me that someone's like the CEO being like, rah, rah, everything's great. And you're literally on a list called troubled banks. FDIC, these guys. It's like being a felon and trying to get a job, you know, troubled banks. But none of the ones that failed, well, they could have been on the troubled list for, you know, 12 minutes before the FDIC took them over and said, literally give us the keys. But yeah, dude, banks lose all their money sometimes. So again, just one of the most classic ways to lose all your yeah. money is have it all at one bank. One more market guy question I have is, is it just me or is it very odd for the economy to be the way it is right now with unemployment being so low as well? Isn't that like a, a huge, like, uh, usually they're like correlated more, right? Yeah. Yeah. Unemployment reporting is very laggy. It's like uh, the short answer to that. But uh, I want to say there was a maybe a jobs report Saturday. I didn't look at it. I don't follow like most of the macro uh, actual numbers. I think it went up a little bit, actually. It ticked up a little bit. Yeah, I've seen a smart guy talk about like the 12-month moving average of unemployment being really important. But yeah, I mean, markets are shaky. The economy on the whole, like generally still working. The possibility of all these companies losing an incredible amount of deposits at these banks was also very like, believe me, the sell orders were on, like everyone's finger was on the trigger this weekend and futures markets trade 24 seven. So like NASDAQ futures were way up yesterday on the, that fed announcement that there's a new credit line. And it's, you know, it's fairly likely that everyone's going to get, get paid their money rather than trading IOUs from the FDIC, which was the initial announcement. Like on Friday, FDIC took over SVB and was like, Yep, we'll give everyone who's insured their money back. Everyone who's not, you're going to get a little certificate from us, which then there's a market for those certificates, which is hilarious. I follow a couple of guys who are like, hey, reach out. I'll buy your buy your shit for a discount, right? There's a fucking market for everything. But yeah, economy, I don't know, dude. I don't know how to measure the health of that. People have opinions about where it is, what the measurements are, and it's really fucking all over the place. But the disjointedness, yeah, I'm with it. Unemployment is like my main one. There's an old quote by, I don't know, some famous American somewhere that was like, a recession is when your neighbor loses his job. A depression is when you lose yours. I think that's a, that's a good one to close out on. I like it. All right. Lose to me in the championship this week, dude. Just do it. <laughs>